here I get to do a, a topical study. And, and I love doing this. Uh, I, I love just the way that the Lord brings to mind certain scriptures. And, and this sermon here actually started way back in, in February. There, there's two ladies that normally do the worship, Kat and Rebecca. And, and until about six or seven months ago, they were the ones up here every single week. And one of the songs that they would sing over and over again was the, the song called Behold Him. And it really touched my heart just how many times the word behold is in the scriptures, especially in the gospels. And so I, I was looking for the word behold him, and, and it's amazing the very first time that the word behold him is found in reference to the Messiah takes place all the way back in the book of Numbers. And it's prophetic, by the way keeping in theme with our prophetic power in the book of Matthew. And it's not by some righteous guy. It's not by some well-known person that is part of the Jewish nation or something like that. It's given by a heathen. And in Numbers chapter 24, verse 15, this is what we read. And you'll recognize it right away. You'll recognize the person right away. But it, it, it's in, in a prophetic word that is given uh, by a person who has to and must proclaim this prophecy of beholding uh, the Messiah some 1,500 years in the future. Look at what it says there in Numbers chapter 24, verses 15 through 17. So he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. Look at what he says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Father, as we approach this amazing passage in the Old Testament, spoken by a person who didn't even want to bless the Israelites, a person who did not even want to say these words, and, and yet he must say these words. Lord, we too must say these words. We long to behold you, even tonight. And after coming out of that amazing worship set and being able to just praise the Lord and, and, and to look with our eyes and behold him, to look with our very beings and behold him. This time of year, it, it is so special to know that you came to this earth so that people could behold you. Flesh incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. So Lord, tonight as we, we study your word, as we get a glimpse into this, let it not just be something that are words on a page, but something that comes to life in our very being today our very being tonight, that we would behold you. 
the only one. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This song that kept ringing in my ears. And it's not so much a Christmas song. I love how many behold songs that Isaac were able to, was able to come up with. It's just beautiful, just the way that the, this phrase is used, not only in the scriptures, but also in our worship of God. It goes like this. He who was before there was light walked across the pages of time. He who made every living thing he who heard humanity's cry left his throne to wake as a child. He became like the least of us. Jesus Christ, or Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion. Oh, be still and behold him. He who dined with sinners and saints, healed the blind, the lost, and the lame. Even now he is in our midst. Behold him. He who chose a criminal's end, paid with blood to settle our debt, buried death as he rose to life. Behold him. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion, oh, be still and behold him. Jesus, Alpha and Omega, our God, the risen Savior. Oh, be still and behold him. Unfortunately, many people this time of year don't behold him. We're bombarded literally with so many things that are not him, that, that are not Christ, that, that are not Jesus this time of year. And many of them are good, by the way. Unfortunately, every single one of them is temporary. Thank God for family. Thank God for Christmas parties. Thank God for the fun that we can have this time of year. Thank God for presents. I preached a whole sermon about presents. I, I loved it two years ago. But the thing is, we get so caught up in the temporary rather than beholding the eternal. Our, our lives need to be consumed, not just this time of year, but every single day of our lives by desiring to behold him. Look what it says in John chapter 16, or chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him. Though the world is blind, the world is, is self-consumed with, with who we are as being. And, and Jesus tells us to behold him. The very next words after that in that same verse say, or know him. You have to have your vision consumed with Jesus to, to behold and to know him. And then he ends in verse 17 with that beautiful phrase, and you've heard this before too. But you know him because he abides with 
and will be in. When you behold him, when you know him, where does he dwell? In you. Have you ever tried to uh, view an object from a distance? Uh, and, and it may be a, like a mountain or something or a hill or something like a skyscraper. And from a distance, you can actually cover that thing with your thumb or even your pinky. But the closer you get to the object, what happens to that object? It stays the same size, by the way. The size doesn't change. What changes when you get closer to the object? Perspective, but also your closeness to the object, your position with the object, right? It's the same thing with God. So many times we're so distant from God. We put our hand between us and God. We obscure God with all of the temporary things that we put in our life. And God is telling us through his son, Jesus Christ, he sends his son into this world. Behold me, let me consume your very vision, your very being, your very who you are. And he came close to the earth, by the way. God came to the earth. I love this story. And we read it every single year. We get the privilege of, of listening to these amazing Christmas stories that, that literally happened and it happened to real people in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. How close did the angels come to those shepherds? Literally around them, it says. The glory of the Lord shone down upon those shepherds in the fields. And just like Isaac said, the, these were uneducated people that were out there, smelly with the sheep, sleeping with the sheep. And, and God chooses these men to be the first ones to hear the good news and, and to be surrounded by the glory of God as those angels declared the good news to them. To behold the Messiah. The first ones to behold him, by the way, other than Mary and Joseph. The, the, the first ones to be able to have that privilege of going and seeing and beholding the Christ babe. Continues on. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. What happened to those shepherds' vision? It was consumed by the glory of God. 
And, and then they actually go to the manger. And remember, Mary and Joseph, the, all, the only place that they had to stay was in that manger. The shepherds go there. Look at what it says. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The first thing you see there, they were made known of him. The, the angels surrounding them with the glory of God, and, and they were told, go make yourself known to him. And then when they see the babe, look at what it says there, verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The definition of the word behold, it's always used in the imperative. It's, it's meant to call attention to something. It's not just an added word. It's meant to provide emphasis of something that you're just looking at. Unfortunately, a lot of us are extremely unobservant. We, we glance a lot. We just have this cursory knowledge of certain things. Where when Jesus came to the earth, he meant to have people know him in the imperative. To behold him. To be consumed with the very vision of who he is. The angels, or excuse me, the shepherds, they were consumed by the vision of Jesus Christ. Right there is that babe. What was their focus? I'm sure many of you have a, uh, a nativity scene. And, and what should always be, and, and I always see this, thank God, the very center of the nativity scene. What is the center of the nativity scene? The baby in the manger. I remember the very first time, and, and when we first came to America, my wife and I, it was 2001, October 31st, 2001, and the very first uh, Christmas, we didn't have a Christmas tree that year. We were didn't have a lot of uh, things, or we'd just come from the Philippines, and we didn't have a lot. And, and so the, what I did is I, I took these boards from a pallet, and I made a manger out of it. And that was the center of our Christmas that year. We didn't have a Christmas tree. We didn't have a lot of things. But we had that manger made out of these pallet boards. And it's beautiful to see the, the center of the Christmas story, the beholding of who is the center, Jesus Christ. And the angel or the shepherds set that standard. As soon as they saw the angels and, and the angels had left, and then they go, and the first thing they want to do is go and see the Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah and behold him. But it's interesting that even the angels wanted to behold. Wow. And these are beings that are in existence from the time that they're created till eternity. These are beings that are in heaven, and they too wanted to see the babe Jesus. 
that God came in flesh to this world. The angels even wanted to behold him. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we meet a man who wanted to behold the Messiah. In fact, his whole life was consumed with wanting to see the Messiah. Look at what it says there in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had what? Seen the Lord's Christ. To, to be able to behold the Messiah in the flesh. To be able to hold the Messiah in the flesh. To be able to behold and hold at the same time the Messiah in the flesh. Oh, wow. It sends goosebumps up your back. To, to be able to understand that this man's life was consumed knowing that he wouldn't die until he actually got to see the Messiah, Emmanuel. Verse 27, it says this, So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and this, by the way, is the eighth day when, when Mary and Joseph were to bring their firstborn son into the temple. They were supposed to dedicate their son. They were supposed to present the offerings, the two turtle doves, for the offering to redeem back their firstborn son. It says this, to, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and look at this amazing prophecy slash praise slash worship here in these four verses. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen Yeshua, the one for whom every single Hebrew word in the Old Testament that is defined with the word salvation points the very definition of Jesus Christ. The meaning of Jesus, by the way. Proclaiming that from the very steps of the temple as he's holding and beholding the Messiah. Wow. Which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people, Israel. This is not exclusive. Jesus was meant for everybody, not just the Jews, but even for all peoples, all nations, the, the Gentiles that the Jews would call other people. And there is he's holding and beholding that babe. Simeon, he proclaims these promises. He proclaims this worship. He proclaims this praise as he's glorifying the Christ child right there. I hold him and I behold him at the same time. It's just beautiful. And even his parents, of course, and they'd already seen the shepherds at this time. 
that they, they had already heard some of the stories from the shepherds about, about the angels. It, even Joseph and Mary, in verse 33, they marveled at those things that were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He's speaking to Mary, by the way. And this prophetic word that he's saying, it's, it, it, your heart's going to be broken. And of course, this happens there at the cross. And she watches her son die. But to understand what this really means, that there's this desire of a man by the name of Simeon who waited his whole life just to hold and behold the Messiah. And it consumed his very being. That wasn't all. There's another person waiting too. It was a lady by the name of Anna. Now, I love Anna because Anna comes from a tribe that's very seldom mentioned in the Bible. I, I love this because the, this tribe of Asher here, if you go back all the way to the book of Genesis in chapter 48, you see the prophetic utterances uh, of Jacob as he's blessing every single one of his sons by name, starting with Reuben, going all the way down to Benjamin. And, and, and he, he addresses the tribe of Asher, and, and you see some of these prophecies come out even in the life of Anna, okay? L look at what it says there about Anna. Now, there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Now, normally, of course, the life expectancy of a person at this time, 2,000 years ago, was very low in their mid-30s. This is a miracle in itself. And then also to be serving in the temple as a widow for this amount of time. And what is she waiting for? Again, just like Simeon, who is she waiting for? The Messiah, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in uh, Jerusalem, she had a message as she saw the Christ child, as she beheld him, by the way, as she saw him, as she beheld his presence. Not only does beholding consume your vision the closer you get to the one that you're beholding, but it also consumes your life as well. Because when you're beholding someone, as you get closer to that someone, what happens now to your perspective on life? It consumes who you are. And so the closer that we come to the Lord as we behold 
the Lord, we see this beautiful picture throughout the Christmas story of beholding him, the people that were waiting and longing to behold the Christ child. There was another group of men, and we talked about these men also when we were starting the book of Matthew. These are the wise men, and this is probably about two years after Jesus was born. Uh, you can go back to when we actually studied this fairly in depth. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And by the way, when we were looking at this beautiful chapter two, to see the star literally move and guide the wise men. This is a miraculous event that's taking place. It, 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 it's so amazing because not only are there people longing to behold the Messiah, not only are there shepherds and, and widows and, and people that have been waiting their entire lives, even angels longing to behold uh, the Messiah, but even the heavens themselves. The creation itself is longing to behold the Messiah. Look at where the angel or the star stopped. And again, this is part of the beautiful picture of the Christmas story, the symbology that we see every single time this year. Where does the angel or the star stand over? Centered again on the Christ. Now, people have debated, is this some sort of uh, heavenly event that took place, that, that some stars that were in alignment or planets or certain things like that. It's amazing to actually read the story. It says there in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Where was the star parked? In the previous verse, it tells us, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Right over the house where they were at. And again, they're no, no longer in a manger. Uh, they now have a, a house, uh, according to the scriptures. So this is some time later. You see from the previous part of the story that they were going to execute every child or male child underneath the age of two. So this is approximately two years. The interesting thing is these wise men, they come from the east. They, they, they come from the place where the Israelites had once been in bondage in Babylon. This is the area where Daniel would have given his prophecies. These wise men would have probably read these prophecies. And now they're looking forward to seeing the Messiah. They see this heavenly event as they're studying the stars some 600 years later after Daniel writes these prophecies and they come and they follow this star for a very long time, probably 900 miles journey, that this long distance along with all these camels, all these gifts that they're bringing to the Messiah. And where does the star that they're following park at? Right over the very place where Jesus is, to behold him. Even the heavens want to behold him. 
Now, this is, again, it's not just something that happened in happenstance. It's not something that took place, oh, we'll just cross the street and visit Jesus. Or we'll visit the Messiah. How long did they have to travel? How long did they have to prepare? How long did they have to take to come and see Jesus, the Messiah? Where this long period of time of traveling, the first night, the first week, the first month, the first year of traveling as they're coming to see the Messiah. What happened every single night, every single day as they're journeying? Where is their focus? Their focus is on the, the star that's leading them to the Messiah. Wow. Can you imagine the conversations around the, that campfire? The, the privilege of being able to see the one who was foretold the Messiah, to, be, to behold him, right? To see him. What did those wise men do when they got there? It, says, it tells us that in verse 11. And by the way, the, that exceedingly great joy, I don't know if they asked the question, how long will it take for us to get there? How much further? But to understand what they're doing is now they've arrived and how much joy they have in the arrival. The literal consuming of their vision, the consuming of their lives, the consuming of their very being in order to see the Messiah. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I love that Christmas song this time of year. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Just the theology in this song. What what does every single one of these gifts represent? It's something to give to the one that they're beholding, the one that they've been consumed with over this long journey, that the consumption of their very lives to be able to behold and present these gifts. The gold representing the royalty. The next verse, frankincense to offer have I incense owns a deity nigh, prayer and praising, voices raising, worshiping God on high as they present the next gift, frankincense, in praise and worship. Was Jesus Christ God incarnate? No, known by these wise men all the way back from the book of Daniel, those prophetic words that spoke to the deity of the Messiah. It's just absolutely foretelling who he is. Every single one of these gifts are meant to lay before the one that they're beholding. And they all have meaning, deep meaning. Or myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume, breathes the life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. That foretelling of the death 
of the very one who's going to give them life. Who came to give the world life. The understanding that the wise man literally portrayed the beholding every single step. What are they doing? They're getting closer to the object of their beholding. The, the vision gets bigger and bigger. The, the anticipation gets greater and greater the closer that they come to the Messiah as they shall with joy, with exceedingly great joy there at the feet of the Messiah as they present these amazing gifts and they behold him. And even maybe even grab his feet and hold. It's beautiful. Absolutely amazing. And we look at these people of all the, the shepherds and Anna and Simeon and the wise men and Mary and Joseph, they got to behold him. Do you know that one day you're going to behold him too? That we get to behold him as well. That we get to, to see that the very God himself face to face, no longer with something barrier between us. Or we get to behold him face to face. Our vision consumed with the Messiah. Our very beings consumed with the Messiah. Peter chapter 1 verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us. You. The one reading these verses right now. The one, the one from which Peter is writing to in the future. The things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to behold or look into. That we get the privilege of beholding the Messiah, being having the Messiah abide in us. And by the way, isn't that the closest you can be to anybody? When, when literally you become one with them, where they abide, not just in the same house or in, within a certain distance, but literally in you. Where Jesus becomes a part of us and we behold him. You see, the angels will never experience that. And they long to see this. They, they long to behold it. They long to see these things. You get to behold these things. You get to behold the Messiah living in you. The closest that you can ever be to any person. Consuming who you are. You behold him. And again, just like Simeon, you get to hold him. In your very being. Revelation chapter 1, and there's so many verses, I had to whittle this down because if you read the whole book of Revelation, there's over and over again, you see this word used so many times, and it's just beautiful how the word behold is used. Uh, right there in the first chapter, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. Wow. Everybody's going to behold him. 
Even the ones that crucified him will get to behold him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even a man, oh, it's not amazing to behold him. See, this is the privilege that we have. We get to look forward just like the prophets, just like the people of old, to behold him as well. But no longer as a babe in a manger, but as the coming king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to get to behold him. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. What are the, this multitude of people doing as they're standing before the Lamb? What are they doing? Beholding Him. Beholding Him. Clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. Then I look, and behold, by the way, every single one of these is written by John, the perspective of John, as he's writing this revelation. A lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. What are they doing? Beholding the Lamb, sealed with the Lamb's very name. Beholding Him. Or the last one here, Revelation chapter 14, verse 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man. And having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. What is the entire creation doing? Beholding the Messiah. Now in his full divinity glory portrayed for everybody to be consumed by. Every single eye will see him. Every single tongue will be proclaim him or be consumed by him. Looking forward to the Messiah. You see, all are called to behold him from the lowest to the highest. The beauty of Christmas is beholding him, beholding the Christ. This is the privilege that we have this time of year to behold him and I love this, the twist on the word to be held by him. Not only do we get to behold him, but we get to be held by him. How close is that? Where not only are you having the privilege of you being consumed by his very being, but he holds you as well as his child, as the one that his affections are centered upon. The desire of God himself as he comes to the earth to behold as a little lamb humanity, but not to leave them there to save them from what he sees them in. 
See, this is the privilege of Christmas when we beholding the Messiah consumes our very being, removing our eyes from ourselves. Now, hopefully this year, I know most of us do this already, and thank God, but we need to do it more often. We need to understand the privilege of what Christmas is because when we're beholding Jesus, it gets our eyes off of ourselves. And we place it on Jesus Christ. When we behold him, to be held by him. So this is my prayer for you. Uh, I was talking with one of my friends in the back, and he wanted to bless us. So after we pray, I'm going to have Andy come on up. He's going to play for us the shofar. Just as uh, departing. And you get out a little bit early this week, too, which is really cool, too. But hopefully, as you come back next week, we'll pick up our study in the book of Matthew. And the desire, as all the scriptures do, is all the, the focus of the, the whole Bible is to behold the Messiah. To, to see him and be consumed by him. To, the, his very being holding up. And so, Father, tonight, we get the privilege of worshiping you as we get the privilege of being able to hear uh, this gift, Lord, as we get the privilege of, of, of understanding that this time of year, we dedicate it to you to behold you, to, for you to be the center uh, of everything that we do. Whether it's the decorations or whether it's the presents or, or whether it's even the food or, or the family or the fun, that, that we would really have our focus on you, that we would behold you. And Father, tonight as we, we depart, as we leave here, the, that same prayer that we pray that would never become rote, that we would always be fresh and new, that we would not leave the same way that we entered in, that we would have that desire, maybe even these few extra minutes to, rather than to leave, to be able to fellowship and be able to pray for one another and be able to get to know someone that we don't know that normally comes. And even to be blessed by this shofar. Lord, tonight I ask that you would help us to behold you, to be consumed by you, to be held by you. So Lord, I thank you so much for that. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. I'll ask.